1: Good afternoon, everyone, as we head into what's going to be a wild and wooly weekend, weather-wise, across the island anyway, before it eventually moves into Labrador early next week. Uh, We can expect uh, some disruptions in travel and other things uh, with all of that uh, wind and rain and snow and... Ice pellets and freezing rain, oh my goodness, what a messy mix. But anyway, stay safe, uh, and if you don't have to travel around anywhere, uh, you know, stick around. Well, we're all guilty of procrastination on some level, particularly when it comes to difficult or unpleasant tasks. I know I'm guilty, and I know a lot of my listeners are as well. The Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada has a new publication out that addresses some very important tasks that many people tend to put off, sometimes until it's too late. My guests today are the co-authors of The Last Act. It's uh, described as a plain English guide to estate planning they are trust estate practitioner kimberly short hello hello linda and accountant and semi-regular guest on on target larry short of short financial a branch of ia private wealth here in st john's hello larry
0: good afternoon linda
1: so kimberly let's start with you because this is in your wheelhouse what exactly is estate planning
2: State planning refers to the process of looking at your financial and circumstances in life and making a plan for how those things will be dealt with um, after you die.
1: So do people tend to put this type of tasks task off?
2: Oh, I think your commentary around procrastination was right on the mark, Linda. And uh, it, it seems to be the most difficult conversation that we have with our clients in doing uh, their overall planning. It's, uh, it's ripe for procrastination because we're all dealing with, uh, you know, the fear of our own mortality and demise.
1: But it can be a little more complicated than that. I mean, I think that's a natural, you know, you can understand psychologically why that's natural to not want to think about what happens after you're gone. But you need to talk about these things because it can cause a whole pile of problems. Um, What are some of the difficulties if, if you pass away without a clear
2: succession plan? Oh, yeah, that's that's a really great one that uh, we have a lot of conversations with our clients about. I think there's a grand misunderstanding um, from a lot of people that they don't necessarily need to make a will, that their situation may be simple enough that uh, they can just simply take no action and, and things will flow in the way that they think that they might after they're gone. Um, most commonly, we think of a, you know, a married couple, husband and wife, where um, you know, on the first death, it, it's the common belief that you know, everything may flow to your spouse. Um, And in fact, in a situation where you have children, that's actually not the case. And in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador, uh, you know, that provision is set out by law that uh, your children have an interest in in your estate. Um, And so that's something I think that is a surprise for most people. Is that right?
1: Uh, because, uh, you know, one would think that you would want your spouse to continue living on in the home that you've built together and um, with the, uh, the wealth that you've accumulated together, whatever that may be, small or large. Um, so, you know, and most um, children would understand that, but there could be somebody who says, hey, wait a minute, I, mom always said I was going to get this, I'm taking it
2: now. Yeah, that's exactly it. I I think that a lot of people are surprised by that very provision. Um, And so it's really important to take the action to think about that in your lifetime and and sit with a lawyer uh, and get that legal advice and and get the will drafted that actually does represent your wishes.
0: Uh, Kimberly, just just to be clear, um, can you just talk about how the – uh the, the fact you know because you know you and i've had this conversation many times and and people are surprised by the fact that the provincial government has essentially written a will for you already and uh and and what happens if there's a let's say the survivor is a wife and two children what what's the actual formula that it works out here
2: yeah. So the intestate succession act for the province of Island and Labrador uh specifies that in a you know again that that classic example husband and wife or a married couple um that if there are children um that uh, a portion of the estate goes to the surviving spouse so if it's if it's one child then it's half of the estate goes to the surviving spouse and then the other half is left to the child. Or the adult child. Uh, in the case where there are multiple children, then it's, um, then it's a third to the spouse and the remaining two-thirds to the children, plural.
1: So Larry mentioned then that the provincial government has already essentially written a will for you with this uh, legislation. Um, how can you ensure that what
2: you want gets done? It's a rather simple remedy, really. It's sitting with a lawyer and and having them draft for you your will, which then will uh, uh, replace what the Provinces Act specifies.
1: And I want to talk to you a little bit about that process, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there about what constitutes a will, uh, and ones that, uh, particularly one that will hold up under scrutiny. Uh, so I want to ask you uh, both about that when we come back after the break. My guests today on On Target are the co-authors of The Last Act, A Guide to Estate Planning. We'll be back right after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. Our guests today on, on Target are uh, Kimberly and Larry Short. They're with uh, Short Financial, a branch of IA Private Wealth in St. John's. And uh, Kimberly is a trust estate practitioner. And uh, we've been talking about uh, why people procrastinate in putting together a will. But uh, what does a will look like? What should it include? I've, I, I've heard a lot of opinions, Kimberly, and even misconceptions about writing a will. Some people have said look all you have to do is write something out and sign it or mail a signed letter with your wishes to yourself uh would that stand up in court how do you write a will
2: there's an awful lot of uh, debate about um, what you can do to have a legally valid will, and at the end of the day, what we recommend is go see a lawyer and get a one get one drafted, and that way you know that the time and effort that you have put in to iterating your wishes. Uh, will actually be valid. We have seen during our practice uh, many holographic wills, which is just simply a will that is handwritten, um, and, and we don't ever wish to test whether or not they're upheld by the court. Uh, so we always recommend to our clients uh, to sit with a lawyer and, and have them draft a, a proper will to ensure that it has all the components. Larry, would you like to talk a little bit about the components that go into a will?
0: Well, it's, it's more of, uh, again, so let's just go back to the book. I mean, the, these are the sort of basic questions that uh, everyone has, right? So it's, it's one thing for us to, to try in a 45-minute uh, to one-hour conversation to get across as much knowledge as out there. And, and this is exactly why we wrote the book was the fact that there are so many topics like this. That we we said, um, there, you know, there are many textbooks out there. Uh, you can even do courses in this if you wish, online courses, etc. In order to learn all of those basic questions that you'd like to have answered. But how do we write a book that that is about this really um, technical topic? And it's it's a heavy, heavy topic as you talked about that and that causes people to procrastinate. Um, that. Will address these types of questions uh, and enough so that they can have an understanding of of what it's all about, and it's not a, it doesn't read like an accountant's manual, right? You know, so even though this is an official CPA Canada book. How do we write this thing so that there's a little bit of entertainment in there? And the way that we did this was that we used a lot of stories and parables and a few fables, which basically is a made-up story, um, so that uh, you know we we gave examples that people can relate to. Because more often, you know, than not, we see people coming in and asking us about, um, you know, I, I need to get my will done it's after somebody close to them has passed away. And it literally could be a neighbor across the street, or it could be, you know, a relative or the like. So we said, well, why don't we, we skip over the, the you know, the, the sad part of this thing and give people enough stories so that they can relate to and understand what, uh, you know, when they should be writing a will, what factors they should uh, look into, and what questions to ask. And, and that's how we end up choosing the book. So, uh, I mean, we, with respect we can get into the various details on on what makes up a will literally it is a, uh, a series of wishes for what you need would prefer to have happen to your assets, to your house, your home, your RSP, to your property, um, etc., and uh, and formalizes it in a way that it will be recognized by the courts, and that it, that hopefully it can't be challenged because in some cases it can be challenged. You know, in in, in cases like we just alluded to, was that where um, you know a spouse passes away and there are two uh, children, well, generally speaking, you don't get somebody challenged the, the will under those circumstances if the, everybody in the family is happy. But if there's one hang ashore in the family or somebody who is particularly mean or, or um, not liking um, you know, the, the parent that survived, or if there's a second marriage... Then you can get quite a dispute happening, and under those circumstances, somebody starts calling a lawyer. The other person, people have to respond with the lawyer, and then it starts to get expensive. So, so we, we really, um, um, you know, we can go through the, the the key definitions of what makes a will. But the key part is that it's your wishes that are written down in a formal way uh, that will be recognized by the courts uh, so that when you're gone, what you want it to have happen with your assets um, is, is properly done with the lowest possible taxes being paid.
1: Family circumstances change, as you just alluded to, like a second marriage, uh, whether it be through divorce or through um, losing your previous spouse, that kind of thing. And I imagine that's where things start to get a little more tangly. Is that what you normally
0: see? Uh, It can, right? It's and so the statement that we've had said to us so many times is, "I just got a simple will, right? I just it's really simple." And and when we dig into it, we find out no, it's not. In fact, we've never ever seen a simple will. Uh, You know, there's a couple of circumstances, and you'd think that maybe uh, if somebody didn't have children, for example, well, then they want to leave the money to charities. Well, then how do you do it? Do you do it based on the charity that? you know, is it based on a percentage of your assets or is it going to do a, a lump sum? And three years from now, five years from now, when you review the will, should, uh, should this change, right? So, um, so we generally recommend that you update the will when a major life event happens. Um, and in the case, for example, in, in divorce, Shockingly, in this province, I think one of the other provinces has just changed the legislation. I think it's British Columbia, but, but uh, because all of this legislation is provincial and territorial, so it does change by province. Um, so in the case of a divorce, for example, when you go through a divorce and uh, five your final separation, it, unless you change your will, uh, something should happen to you. Your ex gets the assets that you've already had named in the previous will, unless you've updated that will. Uh, Kimmy, do you want to elaborate on that a bit?
2: Yeah, I think that one is pretty shocking to some people. They think that perhaps, that, you know, since they finalized their divorce, that in fact that somehow nullifies the will that they've uh, previously created. Um, and I think that there are a lot of really great family law lawyers out there that uh, it is that. Clients um, during that divorce process that hey you know it's time to uh, to update the will and I think the other you know noteworthy piece while we're talking about family law is that um, you know when you have um, children from a previous marriage. Um, and you're embarking on a second marriage, that y- you may have support agreements in place that, in fact, may have some bearing on um, the creation uh, and, and, and how your will eventually gets administrated. So uh, it's important to tie all those pieces together, and that's why, you know, an estate plan is as unique to the individual as, as their thumbprint, really.
0: And, and just to give you an idea, like again, trying to address this heavy topic, the people we've who have read the book, I mean, the biggest, the highest bit of praise that we've received is that this book is a really easy read. It's not that technical jargon. It's not um, it's not digging into you know um, citing cases and chapters and verses and and the like. So, if if there's one message that we can get across to people who are listening to this is that uh, sitting down and, and going through this is a great way for you to start this year, you know saying that you're going to do this new year's resolution, and your first step is to be able to become educated enough to understand uh, enough about the wills so that you can uh, then go and have a talk with um, your lawyer with your professional to put it together specifically for yourself, but it's not this burdensome uh onerous um, uh, you know tome of a book that's hard to get through and it's full of jargon it's very very uh, simple that this is what we've been that was our objective and that's what we've been told
1: i think people are used to hearing you know you really should have a will but what happens if you die intestate what can happen to your assets to your property and
2: your family if you die without a will Well, I think the first thing to note, Linda, is is that it it complicates things. It complicates things because you haven't put your own will in place, uh, specifying, for example, who your executor would be. So that's often one of the first pieces in a will is you're uh, identifying the individual that's going to act on your estate's behalf, who's going to have the authority to go ahead and and deal with any debts outstanding, deal with any uh, distribution of assets and all things that need to be done. And so the first thing that has to happen is that um, a person needs to be appointed by the court to become what's called your administrator or your state's administrator. These processes are um, generally longer and more complex um, while they're done than having your will laid out in advance. And so that's, that's the first thing we say to people who say, oh, I don't need one or I'm going to put it off, et cetera, I don't see the point, is simply that you're, you're leaving behind um, quite a mess for your family members to have to uh, come together and deal with at a time when they're grieving the loss of you, their loved one.
1: Should you consult with family beforehand? Should you say, look, it's my intention, you're going to get the house, Uh, so-and-so is going to get this, so-and-so is going to get that, I want you to be my executor? Should you be letting people know that ahead of time?
2: That's that's a mixed one. I think that there is value. And and of course, again, everyone's situation is uh, individual and unique. So you look at the relationships you have with your loved ones, your family members um, in identifying, you know, the correct course of action, how you communicate. But we have seen value with our client families in having what we call the family meetings. And what we advise there is it's good to bring people together to have a very basic conversation, not necessarily with dollars and cents about how much is there in terms of uh, monetary assets or those sorts of things, but to discuss who you would like to be your substitute decision maker, whether for your executor, for your will. But also your substitute decision maker, perhaps during what could become care years when you may require the support of a family member in becoming a substitute decision maker on your banking and investments and those sorts of things. And sometimes that particular conversation is the catalyst for dealing with the rest is how do you take care of yourself during your lifetime?
0: And we actually recommend that be done before the will is uh, it's done. So when somebody walks in the door here and says, I don't have a will, how do I proceed? The first thing that we recommend is that you get what are called the powers of attorney done first um, so that you, you are able to take care of yourself or have, have yourself taken care of in the event that you are in a car accident or you develop a sickness and you end up in a coma. That, that you know, you have, you, you, may, you may have mortgage payments, you may have credit card payments, etc. Who Who is allowed to know about those things? Who is allowed to make the payments? Who is allowed to move money from one part of your, you know, one uh, bank account? To another, and and that is somebody that you appoint as a power of attorney. And we've seen some circumstances where the uh, one of the children will help a, an elderly parent, and they'll help them with the banking. And when the banking account, when the bank account is set up, it's set up with something called joint with right of survivorship. So sorry for the technical jargon, but what it means is that when that parent passes away, that child owns that money. Now, was that the intention? Uh, and in many cases, the answer is no. And the complications that can arise because people take that shortcut rather than take the, uh, the view to using a power of attorney, that's something that has to be discussed. And um, people have to be aware that they can, there are other choices there.
1: I noticed that one of the chapters in your book uh, asked the question whether or not a will can actually cause a divorce. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that because sometimes your intent might not be what your spouse's intent might be. So uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about that when we come back after the break. Our guests today on On Target are with Short Financial, a branch of IA Private Wealth in St. John's. They have co written the book, The Last Act, Kimberly Short and Larry Short. will be back right after the Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your requests to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Our guest today on On Target, our trust estate practitioner, Kimberly Short, and accountant and semi regular guest on On Target, Larry Short of Short Financial, a branch of IA Private Wealth here in St. John's. And they've co authored a book, The Last Act, about uh, making sure that your wishes are met after you pass away. And uh, one of the more provocative titles, I guess, <laughs> of, of one of your chapters is Can Writing a Will Cause a Divorce? Can it?
0: Yes, <laughs> how's, that, how's that for an answer? Yeah, it can, because what happens is is. Um, it's from time to time, it, it forces that level of conversation, where it's what do you want to do with all this when we're not here, and who is it that um, within the family do we help out, and um, or um, if there's no children, if there's or is of children, and maybe a church, maybe a charity, etc. Um, so sometimes it really can spur that discussion, because um, and let me just page back a bit. One of the statements from um, yeah, I heard many years ago is that a good financial advisor shows somebody, uh, you know, an individual what their uh, life path looks like, like causes them to look down the road to plan for the future. But a great um, financial advisor brings person, the person to the end of the road and causes them to look back. And when you bring somebody to the end of the road and say, "Here's where you are." In your final disposition, um, who is it that you wish to uh, help uh, and, and um, assist along the way, and then through you know, the peri- that period of time, uh, particularly if we consider that uh, you know many people first get a will done after they have children, so who's going to be the guardian? that 's a huge debate right that 's a huge discussion and do you is that person that uh, that uh, is going to be the garden, uh, guardian if you have say i don 't know life insurance for five hundred thousand dollars from from work and independently and you have a house that 's going to be paid off when you pass away and then there 's some maybe some investments or the like um, is that guardian someone who, that you also trust with money because some people are great. To have to raise your children, and if your children are you know eight nine ten twelve years old um, they would be great to go with uh, an uncle or an aunt or someone but is that uncle or aunt great with money so you may actually choose to have um, a guardian to take care of the the ch- child or children and a trustee to take care of the money who's independent of that right so that uh, can cause quite a a, a series of, of debates um, but uh, the point we make in the book is that if it is at a point where it's going to cause a divorce, then obviously your relationship may have other challenges rather than just writing a will.
1: Right. If you think your will is going to cause a divorce, well, maybe there's a sign there.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: um oh, and i think also to be fair on that point often it's in the process of writing the will is also a process of shining light into dark corners where perhaps some uh you know secrets have been contained um you know things like uh, children from previous marriages that may not be known about um and bequested in in previous versions of wills and and those sorts of things so it's often the uncovering of uh of secrets that Uh, is is I think the the catalyst for that acrimony
1: and resentments no doubt Uh, you know spouse A might say you know I really want this person to get this and the spouse B says but that person has been nothing but cruel to you your whole life why would you do that well I'm not going to put up with this if you're going to give it to that person because they don't deserve it you know that kind of thing so it would create all these weird dynamics I would imagine.
0: It's another reason why people you know, procrastinate. But the answer to the, the question is that if you don't write the will, uh, afterwards the biggest beneficiaries may very well be the provincial and federal government and a lot of lawyers. And, 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 and nobody
1: bless, wants them to get
0: anything. God bless the lawyers because they, they step in when they're really needed because they, at that point they are really needed.
1: And I mean the provincial government, not necessarily the lawyers. They do do a lot of work. Um, so um, what about um, – sorry, I, I need to back up a little bit. Um, when it comes to blended families and that kind of thing, is that where you find a
2: lot of difficulties? I think that – I think that's there are complications there with blended families, and and there's an awful lot of them out there for sure. Um, and uh, when we're dealing with those things, we often find if we're dealing with that traditional structure of uh, husband and wife with kids from previous marriages, then you know we're asking the questions of. Is the division different uh, on mom's demise than dad's demise i e is the split work differently, and how is that safeguarded depending on who dies first and so the mechanisms for that are are more complex and and hence, the need for a really great estate planning lawyer to set those things up, very doable, but um, certainly not a simple conversation
0: and in the same way the, the, one of the things we talk about in the um, in the book is the fact that many people do not understand that uh, that their will is a public document. That is, if if you uh, want to see what any prominent individual in this province passed on to their children, or any individual in this province have passed on, um, you literally can go into a uh, government uh, website, pay I think it's twenty dollars, and you can read their will. Which to me is to us. Is like absolutely, you know, uh, shocking. It, this is like paying, uh, you know, Canada Post money so I could read your mail. But that's the way that uh, that wills have been set up for uh, hundreds of years. And um, some people then say, well, is there any way around that? And the answer is yes. It's the use of a trust. And the, the word trust scares people. Uh, so in the book, we go uh, we go through a number of chapters explaining what a trust is, because in many cases people set up trusts automatically without even being aware of it. And so it's, it's, it's best that you understand, first of all, that your will is not a public document. And then secondly is that um, there, are, there is a tool to get around it, which is involving trust. And they're not as intimidating as, as many people think. Um, we hope we've explained it well, and we've been told we've explained it well. So uh, it's something we think that is a key element in uh, people learning about uh, getting their will written.
1: I think uh, when we talked uh, off the top we talked about procrastination and one of the uh, obvious uh, reasons why people would procrastinate is because they you know they are contemplating their own mortality but another big motivating factor I would imagine is cost people are worried how much is this going to cost me to put this together and how long is it going to take and uh, is going to get dragged out and is that going to cost me more uh, are those legitimate concerns
0: it's a lot cheaper than not doing it uh, tremendously cheaper um the the cost of of uh putting it together uh, a will uh will vary dramatically depending on how complicated that it is but uh the the for example uh, um an individual with a, a um you know a spouse with um Uh, two children who do not put a will together, the first thing uh, that happens, as Kimberly has pointed out, is that you need to have um, an administrator appointed rather than an executor. And in order to appoint an administrator, it's a $1,000 bill up front to to the uh, court uh, for application, and you have to get the signatures of all potential beneficiaries. And if one of those beneficiaries disagrees with you, you may not... Be able to be appointed as administrator, which will cause a further delay. The other part to it, though, is that even if you do get your will written properly, and you appoint somebody as being an executor, and this is a whole topic that we we dig into a a lot, um, that if that person renounces that uh, the position of an executor that they, they don't want the job, then that causes a whole series of complications again. so so in, in many cases people choose their executors by asking a friend and they often ask a friend um, you know like over a dinner table, they say something like you know can you please fast the, the potatoes and by the way, would you be my executor?" And they say, "Oh yeah, well, I'd be very honored to be your executor. And we strongly recommend that unless you're a professional executor, don't take the job. So when somebody is appointed as executor, then they find out how difficult that job is, which is really hard. Um, they can renounce, and that's going to cost um, um, a lot of money in order to find a replacement. It's going to cause further uh, delays. And if you are have been appointed as an executor or in some cases um, um, that you find out later, because sometimes people will appoint somebody as an executor and don't tell them, and you want to know what that job is all about, then read this book, and it will tell you why you should not be Um, an executor, unless you're a professional, to to do this sort of thing.
1: I've often heard some families uh, question, um, you know, not knowing the process. What about, we're talking about assets now, but what about uh, debt? Uh, If somebody dies and um, leaves a lot of debt, but they have a will, I mean, are you responsible for that?
0: Kimberly, you want to tackle that one?
2: Well, just going back to Larry's point about executor, you know, when somebody um, uh, accepts that appointment, they accept a certain amount. And it's actually a great deal of responsibility as what's called a fiduciary, meaning the uh, duty to act in the best interest of the estate and its beneficiaries. And with that, it can also come some liability. Um, if you don't do the job properly, so it really is a role of having to look at the assets and and the debt the liabilities to the estate and determine you know if it's sufficient to satisfy. Um, if the assets are sufficient to satisfy the debt that's there, um, and if improperly done, um, it can be such that um, uh, you know that the executor can be held responsible for any error in um, in administering the estate. So it's certainly something that um, there can be financial repercussions come back on the executor if it's not properly done, and and that's why we always uh, caution our clients. Uh, with with respect to taking on that appointment.
0: So, just to give you an example, is one that we talk about in the book, where there was uh, three three children, uh, parents died suddenly. The oldest was was, was uh, male. He was uh, appointed executor in a will. Uh, he takes over the job, but all three kids are living away, and the main asset is a house. So, the, um, the as an ex- the executor, um, the. Uh, it's not unusual for uh, a um, will to, to, to go through a year or two of probate, with, you go through the courts and uh, go through the summits and the like, but in this particular case, um, the executor missed the fire insurance. And the house burnt down. So um, he turns to the two other beneficiaries and says, I'm really sorry. Um, you know, the money that you were expecting is not going to come through. And the uh, two, in this case, daughters say, well, you know, uh, we're willing to forgive you, but we've already spent that money, and our husbands want to sue. And they can, because you're personally ex- uh, 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 liable. And if it wasn't for, the, say, the two children, maybe there was a mortgage on the house. And so the banks will sue the executor. So that role is misunderstood, the the amount of work that's involved is really quite high and there's a possibility, unless it's already built in, in the agreement, in the actual will itself, that the executor sometimes doesn't get paid. So if anybody has been named an executor, they really need to dig into this and find out what are the responsibilities, what are the ex- expectations, and what sort of complications can arise. And particularly when it's uh, somebody in the family that can be appointed because if there's not, if you don't have a really good will and things are not really clear, uh, so the best wills are just instructions that are followed, not ones that are interpreted, um, then you can have people in the family really angry at you, and it's hard to invite them back for a Sunday dinner when they feel hard done by because of the, the way that you interpreted the will.
1: Yikes. I think there's an awful lot of people there <laughs> listening today would go, oh my goodness, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, I'm going to ask you about how often a will should be updated when we come back after the break. My guests today on On Target are Kimberly Short and Larry Short uh, with IA Private Wealth in St. John's. They're the co-authors of a new book, The Last Act, and the launch is coming up shortly. We'll tell you a bit about that as well right after this.
0: Your VOCM Mornings with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy, 530 to 9 a.m. weekdays on your VOCM.
1: And we're back. Our guests today on On Target are uh, co-authors of The Last Act, Kimberly Short and Larry Short. And um, I wanted to ask, and I'm not sure which of you would like to answer this, but how often should a will be updated?
2: That's something that um, we believe that there are two um, things that guide how often you update your will. We certainly recommend a review at minimum every five years. Um, And this is simply just a reminder, you know, sitting with a qualified estate practitioner just to sit and see, does your will say what you think it does and what you remembered of it last time? And for you to ask yourself, have you had any changes in your circumstance that would warrant you going back and, and making a revision? And then the second thing is, when you have a change in your circumstance, even if it's only been just a few months since you last, you know, the paper and signed your will. Um, Some of those changes could be the birth of a child or a grandchild, a a marriage or a divorce, Um, or perhaps, you know, um, somebody you've appointed as executor has passed away or um, become ill. That would be another prompt for you to go back and and rethink uh, that decision. Do you
1: get reminded of that? Because, I mean, we all live busy, busy lives, and sometimes these things are always on the back burner, if you know what I mean. So do you get prompted to do these kinds of things if you have a will with a a lawyer or a, a qualified estate practitioner?
0: So as part of, uh, you know, if you're dealing, we, we, you know, many times I've talked about uh, on this show about the need for a financial plan. So in dealing with a financial planner, the will review should be an element that's on the checklist, the same way that insurance review should be done. So we've over the years had new clients come to us who, um, you know, are in their 60s and bought life insurance for the kids. Uh, because you know, when they were in their 30s and 40s, they had two children, and they're just getting established in life, and they needed that life insurance just in case something happened to them to make sure that uh, the 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 other spouse and the children were not uh, harmed by the the loss of of uh, one of the principal earners. Uh, but that life insurance is no longer needed after the age of 60. So, should you continue paying on it? You see what I mean. So, in the same way that you would review life insurance, you should review uh, the will and estate plan, the powers of attorney, um, and any other um, uh, process there, and and to, to determine that. You know, again, going back to the whole life goals uh, point of view, is all of this uh, congruent? Is it is it consistent? So, do you have, for example, um, uh, somebody who is going to be named in the will to inherit your RSP, for example, but you've already have uh, uh, RSP forms signed? at the bank or with the investment advisor that says another name. So the so so the whole point of all this is that the will and the estate plan should be integrated with the rest of your financial plan and should be recu- uh, 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 reviewed on some sort of a uh, regular basis.
1: Right, because a lot of these uh, documents and, uh, you know, important milestones uh you carry out throughout your life and you're not going to say oh gosh i gotta you know update my will because this just happened um that's not front of mind for a lot of people but when you mentioned rsps i mean you might sign an rsp when you're 22 years old and you've got a very different type of uh, life circumstance than when you're 42 or 52 or 82 Uh, so um how do you keep all that? Will it, would, a, would an estate practitioner be able to keep that in line for you and say, you know, let's look at this. This needs to be updated.
0: Depends on your on your your um, uh, planner. Are they a certified financial planner? Do they have a procedure already in place? Um, the other question that falls out is: Where are all the documents? Where's the vault that holds a copy of your will? Where's the 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 you know original document? If, if something happened to you tomorrow, who could? Who is it that is able to go into your uh, home or into your files and find those documents that are needed? in order to carry out probate as, as uh, at a low cost as possible so though again w- when we wrote the book the idea was we wanted to empower readers to know what are the questions they should be asking and, and that's what we've ho- hopefully the, what we've done with, with the book
1: uh, what's been the reception so far i mean i know you've got a, a launch happening uh, what do you expect there
0: so we we I did the initial um release of the book at the CPA National Convention in November um and uh, so it's been for sale now since November the 26th uh then we're doing a launch to our clients uh, uh next week and then we're doing a national uh, launch um in in March um and so in the the initial feedback we're getting from the book is that it's yeah it's it's uh, very readable um and it is uh, as i say an easy read
1: And uh, depending on, let's say, for instance, you did your will here in Newfoundland and Labrador, and then you move up to Alberta to be with the grandkids, or vice versa, Um, do the same laws apply right across Canada, or is it all provincial?
0: Yeah, It's
2: all provincial. Yeah. So, um, you know, and while one will in one jurisdiction may do the trick, uh, it really also depends on uh, where your assets are. And so if you have, um, you know, assets, example, homes in various provinces, uh, then we do uh, absolutely advise that you seek legal counsel um, about uh, seeing whether or not you even need multiple wills.
0: And, and as well, there's something called a probate fee, and in the province of New Zealand and Labrador, it's actually not that much, but in Ontario, it's, it's higher. And if you have um, an a, a executor in a different jurisdiction, a different province than when you passed away, or, or as Kimberly alluded to, you have assets in other places, you may have the probate that, that will in several provinces. So that that's the sort of thing again that needs to be part of the conversation and part of the will review.
1: Lots of complications there. So the uh, the launch is uh, this coming week. Is that correct?
0: Yes. Yeah, so yes. Yeah, so so we have the launch for our clients, but the people can buy the book today. Um, they can buy it at. Uh, uh, chapters, uh, Indigo, Coles uh, Bookstore. They can buy it online if they go to our website at Short Financial. There's a, a link that will take you to, through to CPA, or you can go directly to Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada, and um, they can and you can buy the the, the book directly through there.
1: And I have to say, it is a nice, um, concise, easy read, uh, simple to understand. If you're worried about a lot of complicated jargon, you're not going to find it here. It's pretty straightforward.
0: I'm delighted that you said that. (laughs)
1: <laughs> thank you, Linda. That's a wonderful and compliment. Thank you both for uh, joining us on the show. It's also very humorous, I should say. A lot of uh, little...
0: Yeah, it's not yes. Mark Critch humor, you know. It's yeah. not, not going to be made, in, made into a local movie, um, but it, it's enough to keep people entertained. I like the part about the hang ashore. Because that one is a real dicey one. So how do you deal with somebody, you know, and and, and this comes up from time to time, is that um, you you find a a family where there's three very successful children and one is still playing video games in the basement. What do you do there? Uh, but the other ones that is uh, really I uh, hope people will benefit by is what you, uh, happens when there is a, um, a a child who has autism, for example and and how do you make sure that whatever inheritance you leave to them that the government social services does not uh, disappear for that that child? How do you make sure that uh, that child gets the best possible care uh, after you're gone. So uh, that's a key element in there A well.
1: great concern for a lot of families out there, and I'm yeah. glad you raised that. But unfortunately, we have to leave it there. The most important uh, piece of information in here is that you're from Carbonier, Um <laughs> which <laughs> I just <laughs> learned. <laughs> but uh, I want to thank you both for joining the show today. Thank you very much. Very informative, and hopefully people will be able to pick up your book, The Last Act, uh, available at uh, your favorite bookstores. Yes, Thanks so much. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Linda. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll be back on Monday to talk about, uh, well, you talk about um, uh, making plans for the year and uh, resolutions and the like. We're going to talk about smoking when we come back on Monday. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone.